You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. You know how every once in a while after the fact I've confessed to recording a podcast or two in advance, to banking a couple because I'm, I have to go on a trip and whatever. This is one of those days when we're doing two. And so if you listen to last week's podcast, you know that I opened with George Allen Reckers, Reekers, Rikers, however you pronounce his last name, who was the co-founder of the Family Research Council, prominent anti-gay group, and NARTH, prominent anti-gay bullshit pseudoscientific fuckwit organization, which claims that it can cure gay people. And he got caught by the Miami New Times returning from a 10-day vacation in Europe with a gay male escort and claimed that he went on rentboy.com and found this well-hung, very beautiful, dewy young man on rentboy.com, which is a male escort website, uh, because he'd recently had surgery and needed help lifting his luggage. If you remember from last week, Lift your luggage is the new euphemism. I actually think it should replace floats your boat. We've been using floats your boat for such a long time, and it's really kind of played out. From now on, we are retiring as of today, whatever floats your boat, in favor of whatever lifts your luggage. Anyway, uh, you know, it's the same day for me. You guys have moved on. God knows where this story's at right now. And maybe you're all sick of hearing about it. God, I hope it's all over the news all week long in The Daily Show and Colbert and everywhere else. But I haven't moved on. I am still reeling. And there's been a development just in the last hour and a half since we recorded the last week's show. George Rikers is claiming that, admitting that he did take this male escort, this prostitute, and I'm pro-prostitution, pro-male escorts, pro-sex workers, with him to Europe, but not to fuck his ass or sit on his eight-inch cock, which was prominently advertised on redboy.com, but because he wanted to minister to him. Like John the ba- I'm reading this from George Riker's Facebook page. Like John the Baptist and Jesus, I have a loving Christian ministry to homosexuals and prostitutes. So you got a twofer here. In which I share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Contrary to false gossip, I do not in any way hate homosexuals, but I seek to lovingly share two types of messages to them, as I did with a young man called Lucian in the news story. And now here's the bit that made my head just fucking explode. If you talk with my travel assistant that the story called Lucian, travel assistant being, of course, the new euphemism for male escort, I suppose, you will find I spent a great deal of time sharing scientific information on the desirability of abandoning homosexual intercourse, and I shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with him in great detail. Hopefully when his mouth wasn't full. I don't even know what to say. This is so great. This is so exciting. You have no I mean, if you're not gay and you're not paying attention, you have no idea the kind of damage the Family Research Council has done to gay people and gay families, the kind of damage that NARTH, the National Association for Research and Therapy of Homosexuality, has done to individual gay people that they've conned and that they've gotten into their clutches, to gay minors who have been forced to attend their classes or submit to their therapy by their bigoted, misled parents. It's fun to joke about what an asshole this douchebag is and and, and the denial that he's in. 
and the trouble that he's in and the euphemism he's created. Whatever lifts your luggage, George. But he's really a malicious little fuckstick who's hurt a lot of people. So if anyone out there is feeling sorry for this malicious little fuckstick douchebag, please just pause for a moment and imagine what he put a 14 or 15-year-old kid through who tried to come out to his fundamentalist Christian parents and then was carted off to one of Narth's programs and terrorized and tormented about his sexuality and his sexual identity incalculable emotional and psychological damage just to one kid and now multiply that by all the other queer self-hating young and old that these assholes have gotten into their clutches over the years and then try to feel sorry for george whatever lift your luggage wreckers it's impossible. possible this guy is an asshole and once again proves that when someone out there takes a very public stance against homosexuality and rails against homosexuality what are they telling us about themselves about their own tormented inner lives you know who i'd like to hear from you know who i'd like to hear about george Riker's tormented inner life from lucian god it's like i'm talking to you in the future church church you know what happened happened i don't i don't i hope in the intervening week that lucian has come forward gotten that book deal that he deserves because man go look at a picture of george wreckers if you had to fuck that dude for 10 days i'm not saying he did because george wreckers said they didn't fuck but if you had to fuck that dude for 10 days or even had to like sort of be nervous about the fact that you might have to fuck that dude for 10 days you deserve a book deal you deserve a payday a big one after that kind of emotional torment anyway last week i encouraged you all to rush home and lift your partner's luggage This week, I'd like you all to rush home and share scientific information on the desirability of abandoning homosexual intercourse with your partners, preferably homosexual partners, as you engage in homosexual intercourse, because how hot would that be? And remember, from now on, floats your boat, retired, lifts your luggage. In whatever lifts your luggage, George, if you want to rail against homosexual intercourse while your ass is getting fucked by a homosexual... Not my cup of tea, but whatever lifts your luggage, George. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, Dan. My name is Gabby, and I'm calling from San Diego, and I have a question for you about my dead grandpa's corn stash. So here's the deal. My grandpa passed away kind of suddenly, unexpectedly, and I know that he has a porn stash in the house because I accidentally found it, you know, some time ago. That's a whole other story. Anyways, so I know he has it, and I know that people are going to be starting to go through his stuff, and I don't know if it's my moral responsibility to throw those things away or do I allow whoever finds them to find them to know him better and I think I know I know where the videos are at least but where else do people hide their porn stash like where should I be looking if it's appropriate for me to be seeking out my dead grandpa's porn stash here's a funny story from the annals get it of my homosexual lifestyle I have a friend whose luggage is lifted by Many peculiar and illuminating, hilarious and fun uh, sex acts, but he has a house full of 
batshit crazy pornography and crazy big ass takes two people to move sex toys. And for a long time, you know, the deal was uh, if he should die, uh, I had keys to his house and I got to be first in so that I could get rid of all this shit before his mother showed up. You know, and there was no chance of him dying. He wasn't sick. There was no, he just like worried. They didn't want to burden his parents, his, his only surviving parent, his mother, with men, these mental images should he, you know, get struck by a bus crossing the street. He didn't want his mother to have to dig through the huge pile of DVDs of men doing horrifying things uh, to her only son with both fists at once. <laughs> and it was my job should something happen to him. His mother has since passed herself, so he's in the clear and he doesn't give a shit what his cousins think. So when the time comes, uh, they can bust up the house and marvel at the things they're uncles uh, Rackham was capable of. Now, onto your grandpa's porn stash. Hopefully he made arrangements for the disposal of his porn stash. You could do more damage, more harm to your grandma if you just burst into the house and start prying up floorboards and punching holes in the drywall looking for grandpa's secret porn stash that she may not know exists and may have already been disposed of by your grandfather or one of his children, grandchild. Don't assume that arrangements haven't already been made and the porn hasn't already been taken care of. This is a mind your own fucking business, none of your concern moment. Your grandma's an adult and, you know, we like to think that women don't like porn or watch porn or don't care and aren't sexual, have no sexual agency, particularly old women. But, you know, your grandma fucked somebody a few times. Otherwise, you wouldn't exist. So let's not assume that grandma wasn't aware of, down with, uh, or at least tolerant of grandpa's porn and hasn't thrown it away. Uh, herself or sold it all on eBay. Butt the fuck out, basically. Hi, Dan. I'm a 17-year-old female living in Washington. I met this guy when I was, like, 12, and I've, like, totally thought he was hot since ever since then. We've been really good friends, and now he's 21. Um, he approached me and asked if I was interested in him sexually, and I said I was, so we proceeded to fool around. And the thing is, he has a girl that he's convinced he's, like, in love with, he talks about her like she's the sun and the moon, that she holds the key to his heart, and the first time they broke up, he almost killed himself. Now, his relationship with her has been on again, off again, and so we've been kind of fooling around all throughout this time, and eventually, he basically cheated on her with me and um, this other chick at, a, at another time, but most recently with me. Um, I don't really care for this girl, so I don't really care about that as far as that goes, because I feel like she's jerking him around and doesn't understand how much her actions affect him. So participating in the cheating doesn't really bother me in that area. Um, and in the times that, that they were apart, I tried to tell him very nicely and with care for his feelings that there were other girls out there and that he would get over her in time. And he replied with, but I want her. And I tried to explain to him that there's a difference between love and being in love because he doesn't really know the difference. And for someone who's basically an adult, he acts like a little girl when it comes to relationships. So here are my questions. Um, should I feel bad about being the, his piece on the side? Like, I want to keep, like, being with him, but I don't really know where I should stand, like, how I should feel. Like, I don't really feel bad, but should I? And how could someone who claims to be so in love with this girl cheat on her? And should I tell him that his outlook on this girl and his relationship is, like, leotarded? Um, and if so, should I tell him now while they're still together or wait till they break up? Because I know they're going to break up again because they never stay together. 
So, uh, please help me. Um, I really don't know what to do with this guy. What all of this says about him, the girl who rejects him and takes him back, that he's obsessed with, is all very interesting. But let's set that aside and think for a moment about what it says about you, that you're, you're not just willing to be his piece on the side, but that you're willing to be the one he settles for when he can't be with the girl he really loves. And, and you know, and it's fine to be a piece on the side. And I have been a piece on the side. And I've had a few pieces on the side. It is an honorable state to be the piece on the side, provided you have no illusions, ulterior motives, provided you're not going to get really badly hurt over and over and over again. And there's a, you know, a hint of bravado in your voice. You don't sound, you're not quavering, you're not crying, you don't sound like you're hurt. But I think you are being hurt by this because you're really into this guy. And every time he leaves you to run back to her, what he is saying is, I am not so into you. I don't share the same intensity of feeling for you that you, I don't feel the way about you that you feel about me. That is over the long run, shredding emotionally. If he was in a stable relationship that was open and was only available to you in this limited fashion, but liked you very much and you felt good about what you were doing and good about the sex you might have been maybe having, that would be one thing. But you're his consolation prize girlfriend. And a couple of other girls are also his consolation prize's girlfriends. The one he leans on when he can't be with the one he really wants to be with. That's nothing you need in your life. That's nothing that you should settle for. Should you tell him it's leotarded what he's doing? Yeah. You should tell him it's leotarded that this girl and he together don't work. Otherwise, they wouldn't. this drama wouldn't be happening. They wouldn't keep breaking up. And you should tell him he's leotarded at the same time that you tell him not to call you again when he's single. Because you're going to, you know, however much you like him, however attractive you think it is, you're going to go find somebody who is more emotionally secure and available, who isn't a leotarded douchebag ping-ponging from the girl he really loves to all these other girls that he loves less or loves not at all, but is willing to masturbate in? Fuck him. Fuck him. Don't have anything to do with him sexually. Run the fuck away. Go find a guy who wants who, who can feel about you the way he supposedly feels about her. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi, Dan. I'm an almost 30-year-old gay man, and I've been dating my boyfriend, who's 25, since about August. And it's been the best relationship I've ever had, despite being semi-long distance. We live about two hours away from each other. Uh, We met online and first started talking on a gay fetish website. And all the early talk was, was pretty sexual, mainly about what we'd like to do to each other, and it was quite explicit. During a lot of the early conversations, he mentioned that he likes to be dominated. Um, I finally got up the courage to make the two-hour-long-distance booty call, which I know was not the smartest move on my part. But lo and behold, after the sex was over, we had dinner, clicked, and really hit it off. Our sex life has been amazing, but shortly after we started dating, uh, he stopped uh, talking dirty to me. One confession, I look very, very innocent, almost like a teenager, which I'm sure I'll appreciate when I'm much older. Um, I've tried talking dirty to him, 
but he now claims that I'm no longer the detached, faceless person online. He can't talk to me about dirty stuff because I'm the guy he fell in love with, and there's so much more to us than the impersonal dirty talk. Well, here's the problem. Uh, he still talks dirty to people online. I honestly don't care if he's talking to people just as long as I'm kept in the loop about it. I want to be making it a part of our sex life, which I've tried, but he's not so into that. Uh, he's given me most of his passwords to his online accounts, and things have been great since December uh, when I caught him online on an account behind my back. And we had a very long conversation about me being a part of things. We've created joint accounts, uh, which we can both monitor. We've had some fun times together. Uh, but I did send some ground rules. No talking to people in our general geographic area, and if he does find someone in the area, ask me before talking to them, both of which I don't think are that ridiculous. Today I found another profile on another website, which is only gay.com, which isn't that bad. Um, and I guessed it his password correctly, which he needs to be more creative. And I got into his account. Am I a bastard for checking in on this stuff? Absolutely. So, here we go. How do I overcome the Madonna whore complex? How do I make the innocent boy next door stop from being so damn innocent and get the dirty talk back? What do you think about the website? Should I just roll over and let him have his fun? Am I wrong for placing rules and restrictions? Help me out, Dan. Your ground rules seem solid, totally reasonable to me. Obviously, your boyfriend doesn't agree or he wouldn't be creating additional online accounts behind your back so he can do a little unmonitored off the leash dirty talking uh, with other guys that would naturally i think make you feel insecure about whether he's doing other things behind your back that he's agreed not to do that may be a bigger violation of your agreement your physical safety disease la la you obviously need to have it out with him tell him what you did that you snooped a little bit you found this other account and you say that this is the best relationship you've ever had. You say even if – I guess you guys aren't doing the Dom Sub stuff anymore, uh, the dirty talk or perhaps even the activity, that it's still the best sex you've ever had. So you need to figure out how to reconcile. That You're kind of at an impasse. He obviously needs to do this Dom Sub stuff, this Dom Sub role play and dirty talk with somebody and he feels like he can't do it with you and he didn't cite your boyish looks he cited his, you know, attachment, his feelings of love for you make shifting into those roles difficult or impossible for him. For many people in Kinkland, that is, you know, not just a Madonna horror thing, not just, you know, now that she's my wife, I don't want to blow a load on her face because she's my wife. It can be, you know, kind of a disconnect in those roles where they find it difficult to shift gears between you know, the casual, uh, you know, loving intimacy, day-to-day, in-and-out intimacy of a relationship and this, you know, these abstractions of these dom-sub roles and that artifice. And some people need to get past that artifice when they do dom-sub play by not by knowing very little about the person that they're doing it with. That can be dangerous. Better to do it with somebody you know a great deal about, in my opinion. So you need to have a chat about how you're going to reconcile this aspect of your relationship. Either he needs to get to a place where he can regard you not just as a human being but also a piece of meat, which is the favor I believe that everyone should do for their long-term lovers, for their life partners, their husbands, their wives. It's a great thing to be loved. Sometimes you just want to be tossed around. Or you need to get to a place where you're comfortable with him playing with others because that's ultimately where this is going. He's going to do this dom-sub stuff with other people if he can't do it with you for whatever reason because of that disconnect. Is that okay with you? That's the question you have to wrestle with and answer. Is it okay if he plays, does these dom-sub 
games with other people? And is there a way to incorporate you into those role-play games with others? He may not be able to submit to you uh, as a dominant anymore in a sexual situation because of his feelings of affection for you. But perhaps you could play a role in lining up people that he could submit to. That if you were unleashing the occasional dominant on him, they were your online accounts where you found people to order him around and talk dirty to him. And then he had to obey you and service these guys in whatever hopefully safe, mutually agreeable way uh, that you would want him to service those guys. You could be really inserted into this part of his sex life in a real tangible way even if you're not the one who's dominating him. Hi, Dan. I am a 23-year-old straight female, and I am having such a hard time finding any kind of relationship. And it's it's really, really, really starting to upset me. Um, I feel like, for some reason, I am just never going to find a relationship with someone who is a, quote, equal, or at least who can see me as an equal, because I've had a lot of... Um, a lot of life experience, I guess people would say, for somebody my age. I have traveled the entire world practically. I am fluent in French. I've had a lot of uh, employment opportunities. And so a lot of times people my age just are intimidated by me because they think that I look down on them. And I, I don't. I don't care that someone hasn't had the same experience as I do as long as they're willing to grow with me. And so I also often find myself attracted to older men. It's just somehow easier for me to talk to them. I, I'm not really sure why one of my best friends is actually old enough to be my father. I think he might actually be older than my father. And the problem with a lot of the older guys that I date is they're constantly trying to change me. They try to mold me into what they think I can be. Um, one guy in particular was always telling me that I had to dress a certain way and lose weight and be this way because he wanted to turn me into like a perfect little Victorian lady. And I wasn't that. Or other guys just look at me and they immediately disregard me because of my age and they don't know anything about me. I just don't know what to do anymore because I I don't want to be alone. I'm tired of being alone and I'm at a point where I just, I feel like there's got to be something wrong with me. I've been told that I'm reasonably attractive, um, and there are plenty of guys who seem to want to sleep with me, but none of them want to actually commit to me. I just listened to your call, and I, I hope you're not going to take this the wrong way. You're 23 fucking years old, right? Yeah. You are so young. You will get laid. You will have dates. You will find guys. That none of the guys that you've met or fucked or dated up to this point in your life have worked out isn't the universe picking on you somehow unfairly. Most 23-year-olds are still dating, meeting new people, getting their hearts broken, breaking hearts. You're not supposed to be partnered off or married at 23. You're supposed to have had a string of failed relationships at 23. So you're not really going through anything that most of your peers aren't also going through. And it's, See, it's a, that's, it's a process no, that's a problem. That's a problem. All of my my peers, my friends, are either married or in like serious relationships married or they moved in 20, with their boyfriends. All, wait, wait. You say peers? You mean people between age twenty and twenty five are all married? This, this December, I was I was in a wedding for a friend of mine that I have known since second.
second grade. And how old is she? She is my age. She's 23. Okay, well, Maybe she's, a few months older than me. She's an exception. Most people your age, particularly, it sounds like your education level and, you know, economic position are not marrying at 20, in their early 20s. So get out there and date, and you're going to meet guys who are going to be dicks. A lot of guys are dicks, and what you have to do is you have a bad experience, and you don't write off the other three billion men on the planet. You move on. I'm trying. The problem is I am not meeting anybody who is worthwhile, and I know that some of that is just I hang out at weird locations, so perhaps the places where I'm looking, but I don't know where to meet anybody, and I live in San Francisco. Half the guys I meet that are nice and treat me well are all interested in other men, which is fine. You know, I'm Do you have personal ads online on the big dating sites? I again, I'm trying. I'm not meeting anybody. It's like, don't answer the question. I'll ask you in French if I have to. Do you have personal ads online on the big dating sites? I have one on OkCupid. Okay, keep doing that. Keep going out. Keep going to bars. Keep meeting people through friends. Okay. Be, be careful that you're not doing to guys what you complain about older guys doing to you. When you say they try to change you, and that's obnoxious, and that is, you often hear that complaint when it's an older guy with a younger woman that he starts Henry Higginsing it up mm-hmm. and wants to, like, trim her to fit into his life and his idea of what, you know, a beautiful young girlfriend or partner should be. But when you say you want these younger guys that you date who haven't had your same life experiences or advantages to grow with you, that sounds like that might be nice, polite code for you're trying to change them. No, no. I just mean by grow with, like, we're going to go through similar experiences around the same time. That's all, I'm, that's all I want. Because yeah, share some adventures. Share the, yeah. the time you've met now. Yeah. Like, the pro- like I said, the problem that always I run into is I'll meet some guy, I'm 23, he's 30, he's got a career going, he's all established, um, but he hasn't traveled or he hasn't done this. And they'll look at me and say, oh, well, you're still in college, what do you know? And then I point out all the things that I've done and suddenly they get either oh, all intimidated or they have to want up me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Pointing out all the things you've done is not winning an argument. Like, if you have a disagreement and you start pointing out all the things you've done, if they, like, try to belittle you and say you, you're an idiot and you're only 23, what do you know? You have a right to cite your life experience, but... Not otherwise. Okay. I've never... No, no ever, you're I've, right. I've been doing this for 20 years. No one's ever called me and said, oh, there's this girl, she's really great, but she speaks French. And she talks <laughs> a lot. So I'm not going to date her. No, I... That, but see, that's the problem. Like, I'll meet somebody and they'll just say, oh, you're 23, you can't know this. And then when I point out, well, I do this, I do this, I do this, they either, they either then say, oh, okay, well... I can, she's well, you, young you, enough you that I can mold her, or, no, oh, wow, that's crazy. No, I do know this, and not, and I've done all this, so of course I would know that. You say, here, I do know this, and here's what this is about. You don't have to go, you don't have to give them your, what's that called, that thing you have to fill out to get a job? You don't have to give them your resume <laughs> to prove that you're a worthy opponent in the argument. Okay. That's kind of a douchey strategy, right? Uh, that makes you seem... Not like, oh, undateable because you speak French and you've traveled, but undateable because you seem insecure and conceited, perhaps. If you're like, I'll give you insecure. I won't give you conceited. If you get into a dispute and your first impulse is to toss out your life experience, your resume, your flawless French, that just looks, that, that's just odd. That's like left field. But, you know, okay. if the guy says, oh, you're 23, what do you know? You can, all you have to do is laugh in his face and say, you'd be surprised what I know. Okay, and, well... And then show him what you know. Don't 
Say, I speak French, and I lived in Algeria or wherever it was. <laughs> no, the situation that I'm thinking of in particular when that specific thing happened, I actually wasn't the one who toted it out in front of him. It was a friend of mine who did because she got really mad at him for immediately dismissing me because of my age. Okay, and then if he was a bag of slop who, when he heard all you've done and everywhere you've been, felt like you were too smart, too worldly for him, you're well rid of him. Move on. Okay, I'll try. It's wonderful that you've done all you've done and know all you know. The, the truth of the matter, Dan, is I have gone to four weddings in the past year alone, but I'm seriously just at a point where if I have to go to one more wedding alone, I'm going to scream and just, like, smash the cake. I'm going to get, go crazy. I didn't know that women like you actually existed. I thought you were a screenwriter's <laughs> fiction, that, that these, these women who are, like, heading off to their friends' weddings with little anger bubbles coming out of their heads, just seething with resentment and feelings of insecurity and inadequacy because you are not yet married and divorced yourself. Go to a wedding. You never know. You might meet at the singles table a very hot single guy. You never okay. know where you're going to encounter Mr. Wrong or Mr. Right. Right? You're right. I met my boyfriend because somebody dragged me to a bar after I broke up with somebody, and I did not want to go out, and there he was. If I had okay. like, not gone because I was feeling angry and resentful, I would have not met the love of my life. Just get the, okay. put your ads out, get the fuck out of the house, get online. You're only 23. Most people have not even met the person they're going to seriously date at 23, much less become engaged to or marry. Chill. Okay. Fuck out. And enjoy yourself. You're 23 years old. It sounds like you have money and a good job and an education and a lot of life experience. And you're single and you're living in a beautiful fucking city. Stop complaining. Okay, okay. That isn't the solution to all of your problems. It's just the beginning of a whole new set. And in the meantime, enjoy yourself. Okay. Fuck no, you're right. people, for fuck's sake. Have some you're right. stands. Get out there. Fuck them young. Fuck them old. One of them will stick. <laughs> You're right. Okay. But the self-pity thing, oh, my God, you're such a cliche. You're like Sarah Jessica Parker's best friend in some horrible romantic comedy. Drop the self-pity. Self-pity is not attractive, and you're being very self-pitying. Okay. You say that in French. Uh, I don't really feel like saying it. <laughs> I thought maybe if you heard yourself say it in French, it might sink in. No, it already sunk in. It's just more insulting in another language. Well, I'm sorry. I don't mean to insult you or make you feel bad. I'm just trying to, like, pull you up short. No, I know you're right. I know you're right, and I called you because I knew that I needed your your form of tough love, polite kick in the ass. Well, there you go. You got it. Give the boys Thank you. San Francisco my regards. Gare straight. I will. Thank you. Big fan of your show. Fan of you, too. Bye. Hi, Dan. Um, this is a couple calling. We have been in a relationship for about 10 years, um, married for three. I'm bisexual. My husband is straight. Um, and we recently decided to open our relationship. Um, we have kind of different sex drives, and we also thought it would just be fun and interesting to try that out after having been mostly monogamous for 10 years. Um, but we have some questions about how to do this. Uh, I've only, I've been the only one that has taken advantage so far and just once, um, and my husband hasn't. Um, but we just want to know how can we make this work so that we're both um, happy and comfortable with it. Um, I am sort of the opinion that I want to know everything, and my husband says he doesn't want to know, he doesn't want to hear about it, 
she thinks that it should be totally separate, which to me seems uncomfortable because we share, like, everything. So I don't know how to navigate that. Um, and also, how can we minimize the risks? Because I feel like when you're sleeping with someone and it's just you, it's just you. But I don't want to bring anything bad back to our relationship, STIs or whatever. Um, so specifically, how can we protect ourselves the most so that we run the least risk, particularly with oral sex, which I think... I don't know. Like, we were just wondering, um, how can we be safe about stuff that's not just penetrative where you use a condom and that's obvious. Um, and finally, um, how do you avoid becoming overly emotionally involved with somebody that you're sleeping with that's outside of your relationship? Uh, I always think that it's hard not to, and I'm not really sure how to avoid that. Should you just sleep with somebody once and never see them again? Is it good to have a friend with benefits? Just please help us out because we want to be good at this and not make it that but make it like a fun part of our relationship you had so many questions i don't know where to start uh what do you do about sexually transmitted diseases let's start there um you guys have to accept the fact that you're at higher risk for sexually transmitted infections because you are not monogamous if you use right. condoms and you're diligent about it you're not going to get you know pregnant or hiv but you're really you know at risk for syphilis gonorrhea herpes chlamydia all of them and if you guys can't accept that heightened risk, that's not a, I'm not saying certainty. You're not like going to touch somebody else and come home covered with everything. If you can't accept that heightened risk, you shouldn't have an open relationship. So you guys okay. have to agree to each other, speaking aloud, looking each other in the eye, that if you have sex with somebody else and you take all reasonable precautions, you use condoms, you're careful about who you sleep with, you're not just like trawling Craigslist for scum, and you bring home something, despite taking all reasonable precautions, he can't be mad at you, and vice versa. Uh-huh. Otherwise, you shouldn't do it. Well, is there, like, I mean, I guess, um, I mean, with each other, we have these condoms, but, like, I haven't sex, had sex with someone outside of my marriage in, like, 10 years. Like, is there something you're supposed to be looking for? Like, can you tell when someone is having an outbreak? Like, Well, no. What? I mean, if most people can be infectious without showing any symptoms. Most people who have herpes don't know they have it. Most people who have HPV don't know they have it. Uh, you know, it, and it depends on who you're sleeping with. Where are you looking for partners? You know, if it's somebody that you know and you have some sort of established relationship with, you are better able to determine, A, their health status, and B, their, how responsible a human being they are. You know, if you're having anonymous sex with somebody you met that night in a bar, quasi-anonymous sex, or somebody you found on the Internet and it's quasi-anonymous, you have no way of knowing anything about that person and how they conduct themselves. And if they had an, you know, sexually transmitted infection, would they cavalierly or maliciously pass it along? So it's better, I think, in the situation that you guys are in, for you to find other partners that you've vetted, that you know something about, which means you're going to have a relationship with the people you have relations with outside your marriage, if you want so that to be leads- safer. That kind of leads to my second question. Like, it seems like there's more of a risk of emotional involvement if you're charging a friends with benefits kind of thing, but then, like, it's not as scary in terms of STDs and stuff. But, like, how do you avoid getting overly involved with the other person? I mean, I think we both agree that we want to stay primary partners. And especially for women, like, it's easy to start falling emotionally for somebody that you're having sex with, you know? Right, and you need to be cognizant of that. And you call a halt to it if you start to feel those emotional attachments growing that could possibly complicate your primary relationship. But you need to acknowledge that, you know, you, 
if you're having sex with somebody, you're having a relationship with that person, particularly if you're having sex with them regularly. And that, I think, is smarter than, you know, a cast of thousands. Like, if you guys can both find a couple of secondary partners or fuck buddies on the side who you know, who are trustworthy, who dig you guys, who respect your primary relationship, who don't want to break you guys up because they're invested in you as a couple, too, that's Uh better and smarter. But you can't do that with this... He wants to know, hear no details, and you want to hear all the details. You guys have to come to an agreement. Maybe he only wants to hear the bare outlines, but the only way for you guys to keep, you know, keep tabs on how this is functioning is for it to be open and honest and discussed. Yeah, well, that's it's it's a hard thing because like I I feel like I want to know everything. Like I want to know everything he does. I think it's totally hot. Like that's great. And for him, it's like he's, I think he's a little like weirded out by it. So it's like. If he doesn't know, it's okay, but as soon as he knows, it's, like, real, and then it's, like, kind of freaky for him. So, I don't know, I feel like maybe that means it's not quite right. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, if he can say it's okay, but then still say, well, I don't want to know anything, does that mean that baby steps. it's not really? Take baby steps. If he's okay telling you about his adventures, should he have them, because it turns you on and you get something out of it, and you have an adventure and you want to tell him... Let him decide in the moment whether he's ready to hear about it. He may react to the way you take the news and how much pleasure you get in it by wanting to see how he might react and wanting to, you know, hear about it a little bit. But I do think that in the long run, you know, the primary concern is maintaining your bond and, you know, make sure your marriage stays solid and your connection to each other stays solid. And sneaking around, by definition, undermines trust and is going to make you know people feel insecure now maybe it'll work fine you not telling him anything because you're going to hear all about his adventures because you dig it and so you won't feel insecure and if he's fine with you know thinking that you know possibly every time you leave the house and you're out of his sight you could be fucking somebody else that's not going to eat away at his brain more than hearing about it when it happens even if it's all he gets is a sketch then maybe that'll work. But I don't, you know, I've never seen that kind of arrangement work. Well, like, so far, this has all come about because we tried it once because I really wanted to sleep with someone specific. And I, like, the whole time, we slept together twice, and I wanted, I kept wanting to, like, tell my husband stuff, and he was like, no, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. And I felt like I was actually keeping stuff from him, even though he knew what I was doing. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's well, it's hard not he to... He knew who it was and that it was happening, and he just wanted to be spared the gruesome details? That's fine. <laughs> it is? Like, that's okay? I'm not lying to him by not no, sharing not, that? No, if you're an open relationship isn't an ongoing deposition. Everyone seems to think, especially <laughs> women, that relationships are depositions. It all must be put on the table. It all must be known. If he knew who it was and that it was safe and that you took all reasonable precautions and that it happened, that's enough. That's enough. That is enough. Okay. And if you okay. want to hear every place his fingers went, his tongue went, his dick went, in gruesome and gory and erotic detail because it makes you wet, uh-huh. that's fine, too. Okay. And that's disclosure, too. It's just uh, As long as there's mutual disclosure, which it sounds like there has been, at least with that first experience, and that should continue. Okay. I'm not defining him not wanting to hear it unspooled for him as some sort of dirty story as him not wanting to know anything. That's not true. If he okay. knows well, he who and yeah. when and basically how, and he can say you use condoms, right, and blah, blah, yeah, blah yeah, right, yeah, that's definitely. fine, that's fine. You're doing Although, it right, but you guys got to look at each other and say, if you bring home herpes and give me herpes, I'm not going to divorce you. Okay, I think you actually answered all my questions in a pretty short period of time. That was awesome. <laughs> now get back to Grandma. 
Everyone I know that you called me. We love you. Well, I love you too. And uh, tell everyone to download the podcast. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Oh, hi, Dan. I was just listening to podcast 184 about the uh, woman with the personality uh, disorder. And I think you guys were a bit too easy on her. Um, I've had a, a streak of dating people who've had major mental disorders, uh, disso- dissociative identity disorder also known as multiple personalities, and a few people with uh, bipolar. And I've been patient with all of them. Um, I had some of them tell me right up front that they had the disorder, and I stuck with them. And I had uh, people tell me later on in the relationship that they've had a mental disorder, and I stuck with them. Um, Both cases, I was a saint. I was very patient and very loving, because I liked these people. They were were great guys. Uh, But the crazy always wins, and I think that, uh, you know, she was very articulate in her call, but when it comes down to it, she's got some major issues, and it, uh, it'll rear its ugly head, and it's uh, pretty scary when it does, and if she had called you during one of her manic moments, I'm pretty sure the advice would have been a bit different, because uh, some people, and no matter how patient they are, uh, can't, you know, it's up to the person, and the crazy usually wins out. So I always advise against dating people with major mental disorders. It's very mean to say, but uh, I've had a lot of experience, and, and I'm never going to do that again. Uh, hi, Dan, and Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. At risk youth. Um, I'm calling about episode 184, where the uh, older... I think she was like 29-year-old woman, wanted to ask out the 19-year-old boy, and I'm a 19-year-old boy, and I think <laughs> I speak on behalf of all 19-year-old straight boys that it would be really hot if she asked him out, and it's really refreshing when women ask out younger boys, and it's really nice, and she should do it. Hey, Dan. Um, I just listened to Podcast 184, and you had a guest, uh, Francisco Ramirez, on, and I wanted to say that I really enjoyed it. It was great having um, someone else's perspective. Uh, you know, not that... Yeah, it was just really great. So um, I just would hope that maybe you'd have him on again. Thank you all for your comments and calls. We're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question or a comment for a future show, 206-201-2720. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day, including the Savage Love Letter of the Day at slog.thestranger.com. You read my column every week in papers across the country, including the Chicago Reader in Chicago. And coming soon, the Savage Love iPhone app. It is the app that I guarantee will lift your luggage. Thanks very much for downloading. Me and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. We'll be back at you next week. Another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Savage Lovecast.